Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Everybody ready? It's Thirsty Thursday. Happy Thursday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott broadcasting live today from our Carrier Zone studios here at Vivint Arena. Lloyd Cole across the glass from me. Uh, we'll explain. Actually, we won't explain why, but we'll talk about that here momentarily. Um, and safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only, Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. How you doing today, Jake? Uh, I'm really good, man. How are you? I'm good. I got this nasty fly that keeps landing on my head. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Having an issue with that, huh? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, Lloyd is producing today. I'm not sure where Austin is. He will be here later. I, I've been assured that uh, it, is, it is no uh, no emergency-related issue, so that is good. Austin will, good. will be in later. But Lloyd is is starting off the show today and uh, and producing probably for about an hour. And uh, I had a funny memory because I just saw a, a duck-related story. But uh, do you remember the day that uh, we, we did that duck segment, Lloyd, and had to, like, apologize afterwards because people were so mad? Oh, yeah. You remember that? The lawnmower, yeah, the, the lawnmower the duck lawnmower segment? The lawnmower duck segment, yeah. Yes, I, I do remember. I just had a, that, that, that funny memory. Gordon, we uh, there was a story about some— Don't tell me, don't tell me a duck got run over by a lawnmower. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, it's, it was, like, more egregious than that. The story went, like, a family was feeding ducks, and this dude on a lawnmower, like, went out of his way to run over the ducks. Oh. <laughs> it was egregious, right in front of the kids. Oh. All the, uh, even the, even the little chicks. Even the little chicks. The little chicks. Nobody, nobody lived. And, oh, my gosh, that's horrible. And Lloyd, Lloyd started playing a, a drop, uh, a sound effect of, <laughs> of some ducks. Followed by the lawnmower sound, <laughs> and and people were really mad. They were really mad. They were can't imagine why. Because we were laughing. Because it was it was very funny. I mean the the <laughs> the well then it was funny. It's not as funny these days. I think. Have some, we all become more refined? Have we? Some redneck on a lawnmower going out of his way to. Don't you don't you do this to me? Don't you make me play this because I'm not doing. No, it. okay, I'm not no, going to take part no, in it. No, we're no, not no. going there. What, what, can you can you play it? Uh, no, no, we, no we, we're not doing we it, Gordon. We can't. But I I thought if if you want to talk about this uh, this duck story real quick, we could get out the the duck portion of the drops. Which which might be kind of funny because this story is is really ridiculous. Uh, do you want a quick duck story, Gordon? Sure. I can always 
handle a good duck story. Okay. And I assume you're not talking Oregon football. No, no. This this happened in Scotland, I believe. Or, or maybe, I don't know, somewhere over there in the U.K. Mm-hmm. A mail carrier, Gordon, is upset after a, um, I believe the word they use over there is randy, after a randy duck uh, has uh, attacked him multiple times. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... Um, is this uh, this duck has chased him twice, uh, and he now said he's he's not going to return to this business until they they figured out what to do with the duck. Uh, to which um, uh, apparently the duck's name is Bob. <laughs> and wait, they, wait, Bob the duck. Bob the duck, and uh, they they say they wrote this message uh, to the mail carrier. They said we are so sorry, Bob has been attacking you. He attacks us too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I do I can I read this verbatim or or Yeah, go right okay. ahead. Okay. Uh I'm quoting the story here, so earmuff it if if you're young. Uh it says he used to be a lovely and cuddly, now he is a vicious sex maniac. We have penned him and hopefully he won't escape. Um they said they yeah. <laughs> You <laughs> don't need the lawnmower. <laughs> but apparently, this this uh, they're having some issues with this duck, and uh, I had that memory of Lloyd. That's all. Well, let me let me get this straight. Did the business owners own the duck, or was this just a random duck that hung out around the business? No, I think they own the duck. How do you own a duck? Can you buy a duck? Um. Uh, let's see. No, it 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 says I mean, here that, probably the same way you owned a chick. Yeah, it says oh, yeah, the ducks owners. A it says there's a lot of people that own chickens. Lots uh, of people have ducks for pets yeah, these days. Gordon, Are you kidding me? As proficient really? as proficient as I am in uh, British duck law, <laughs> the the uh, <laughs> the story says the duck had an owner. I don't know if it's legal. Apparently, it's legal in Britain to own a duck. I don't know. It says uh, duck owners. <laughs> They apologized. They, <laughs> did anybody ever step on the duck? Okay. So what kind of, they put it in a pen? I you guess know, they penned it up. Here, here's the thing about a duck. You know, I mean, I'm not an expert on ducks, but I know something about ducks because I've run across them quite often. We need some quacking. And, 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 and given the fact that oh, I am a... step on a duck... <laughs> I stepped on a few ducks in my day. But anyway, I, I, I had a chicken, which is a smaller beak. But then I've seen the ducks with the bigger beaks. And then I've seen the like the geese with the biggest beaks. And they are, they will. I mean, it's like one of our listeners called in and told us one time after I told the story about how a goose came chasing after me on a golf course. I had a seven iron in my hand, but I didn't want to use it. Was it a Randy goose? It was Randy. <laughs> I mean, and, 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 and so this informed listener called in and, and, and told us that a goose will take down a dog. You know, and, I, and, and I believe it, man. Some of those some of those birds will get you. You know, uh, if, if you're if you're looking for a way to make some extra cheese, Gordon, you should you should uh, come up with a podcast talking foul with Gordon Monson. <laughs> Nice. nice. I feel like that's going to go a different direction. <laughs> Squawking about the birds with yeah. Gordon 
<laughs> I'll quack you up. Uh, anyway, this poor mailman. Yeah. Just feel terrible for this guy. Well, I mean, really, if a duck really a duck a goose maybe, but a duck, you can just kind of pun a duck aside. Can't you? Whoa! <laughs> I mean, just if you had to. I mean, if you if you if you had to save yourself, kick it is what you're saying. What, wow. What's it gonna do? Well, what's it gonna do? Jeez, man. Bite yeah. your ankle? Careful, because the the animal lovers are gonna be all over you here. Well, I, yeah. I, hey, I'm all for the ducks. <laughs> you know, I I it's not like I want any duck to be mistreated you gotta take care of your ducks but if, if one attacks you then what do you do what are you supposed to do then just Better let it make sure you have your ducks in a row <laughs> i'll tell you this we we took my my three-year-old who who is still she's even little for her age as you know gordon and we took her to sugar house park to to see the ducks and the and the geese and i gotta tell you she was a little intimidated because you yeah. think a, a duck is a, a little thing to us uh, uh, adults, like mm-hmm. she's she's looking that beak, you know, she's going nose to beak with that duck. She so was that a little, duck, the, you know, that duck to her was like a goose to us. No, no, no. That duck to her was uh, like a, a the size of her. <laughs> I don't think ducks <laughs> and are there that were, big. And there were geese there too, yeah. and they were bigger than her. And so the the we threw the bread a little bit, but then it was like you know what, maybe this maybe we should grow a little before this really becomes a. a <laughs> routine. Started throwing it like <laughs> chunks of meat and stuff. There's a lot of ducks at Sugar House. Carnivore Park. duck out there. I, I don't know if you've been down Did there you lately. Feed them bread. Yeah, is that bad for them? Ooh, yeah, that's not. No, good. it's not. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm Stop not kidding. It. Bread Stop is it. bad for ducks. You know. Yeah, doesn't it like. It. Doesn't you it like do blo- frozen veggies. We did. Yeah, it, bl- it blows veggies. up in their guts. No, it yes. doesn't. Stop it. We did not leave a trail of dead ducks in our wake. I Are swear. you we- kidding me? It is, feeding them bread is bad. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah no, because the, the yeast rises in their bellies, and then next thing you know, you got all kinds Google of- Google it, dude. You're crazy. Yeah, get on that Google machine and Google it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we got duck explosions going on. No. You do not, not feed them bread. Here, is feeding- Ducks bread bad. <laughs> bread isn't harmful, is the first so, thing that comes up here. Uh, sure. Let's see here. This is from BBC.com, so you know it's right. Uh, although, oh, yeah. Although sure. ducks and swans can digest all types of bread, too much can leave them feeling full without giving them the important vitamins, minerals, and nutrients they need. Okay, do, Dr. Do Granola. Safe. Uh, do it give safe. Give them bread is fine. Do it safe and give them the veggies. Give them the frozen veggies. <laughs> they love the frozen veggies. This is a park okay. duck. What, what give them vitamins, of... <laughs> minerals, and nutrients. This is a, a, a duck that's getting half its meals from the dumpster. He's a, Don't give me vitamins, Jake's and nutrients. over here feeding them cheese bread. <laughs> it, was just, it was just white bread. Don't get me wrong. I love the garlic bread and cheese bread from Little Caesars, but you don't feed it to the ducks. Yeah, come on, Jake. It's just this thing. You don't give them crazy this bread. Thing said it's fine. It's that they not. Can digest all types of bread. That's it. It's a, a full stop. You can just end it there. Don't give me this vitamins, nut- uh, nutrients, or whatever. It's bad for them. I ate a white bread sandwich today. In I didn't fact- eat it for its vitamins and nutrients. In fact, go over to Wheeler Farm. I think they even have a sign over there that says, don't feed them bread. Yeah, I think Bad for them. They're not getting their vitamin C out of that bread. <laughs> you know, okay, They need just, something that's high in B12. These ducks need their energy. It just dawned on me that maybe 
Maybe that. Yeah, yeah. No kid. Uh, I'm just thinking uh, maybe that uh, that uh, was a post uh, a mail carrier. Is that what you said? Yeah. Maybe you should have bought a lawnmower. <laughs> oh, bringing it full circle with a really inappropriate and funny joke. Oh, oh man, no, I, I, I like I like ducks and geese, and uh, although I do, I have known people who are scared to death of them. Yeah, I uh, I knew a guy who played college football, was built just rock solid, and we were sitting on the uh, on the deck of a restaurant once next to a pond. And this duck came, jumped up, and it was on the deck coming right for us. He he couldn't have gotten out of there quicker. He just jumped up and ran you, away. Was you calling out Bowler? <laughs> I didn't want to name names. But, wow. Yeah. Uh, Sven, being brilliant, uh, just tweeted the show and said, uh, I would listen to Gordon Monson's Foul Language podcast. <laughs> Foul Language? That's hilarious. That's it. That's the name. Sven has, Sven, Sven has come up with the name. Foul Language with Gordon Monson. An in-depth dive on ducks and geese. <laughs> About their differences in their bills. That, that was a thing on the show today. Well, chickens have smaller beaks than ducks. And Thank you. But but they Thank are you, Steve they, Irwin. No. <laughs> Tune into the next foul language with Gordon no, they, Monson. They can get you. I mean, oh. you get if they get like a finger or a chunk of your skin in that beak. You know, I think I read somewhere uh, in in I think it was uh, I think it was uh, like uh, Mutual of o- Omaha's Wild Kingdom or something, and it said that the pressure that a duck puts on uh, inside its beak. Is like you know a thousand pounds. I mean, it can really crush you. This and more kind of, kind of next like a, on foul language with Gordon. <laughs> kind of like a great white. Brought you know, by Mutual Omaha. <laughs> Seriously. All right. But okay. I've never, I'll tell you though. I've never. It's never come to blows where I had to punch a duck. I mean, I I, I haven't had to do that. That happened with had. a with a shark once, but not a not yes. a duck. Yes, it did. No, let's not go. Let's not go down that that road. Yeah. Hey, good job, boy. Um, setting up the show today. Joining us at three, uh, Cody Taylor uh, from USA Today. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about the upcoming NBA draft, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on the uh, finals as well. But he kind of specializes in the draft, so we'll we'll ask him some draft questions too. Cam Meller, College Football Insider Report at the top of the four o'clock hour. He's uh, from SB Nation. And then our friend Jordan Pendleton will join the show at 4.30. Uh, Gordon Mark Harlan was on with DJ and PK today and said he covered a lot of ground, said a bunch of different stuff. So we'll get to that throughout the show today, including uh, coming up here in the split story. You ever wonder how a duck can uh, motor so quickly across the water? I mean, those feet, those web feet, man, they're they're like moving uh, like a thousand miles an hour. You know what? <laughs> you know they they move pretty quick, but their chicks aren't quite fast enough to avoid a good old fashioned lawnmower. No, that's not funny. <laughs> no, you took it too far. Let's see who was it on that play. It was Rhett Bird. Rhett Bird was the hawk in the right place at the right time. <laughs> I guess that's true. What they say: a bird in the hand is worth a ball on the full carpet. There is never, <laughs> and I mean never. A bad time to play that drop. 
<laughs> that is still that one of the be, most amazing that, things that, that's that, ever that may happened. That be the dumbest thing I've ever heard in announced. Hey, today. take it easy on Chad. Chad's still out there, I'm sure, somewhere. Shout out to Chad. That is hilarious, though. Redbird. <laughs> what's the biggest bird you've ever come face okay. to face with? I mean, what, what's right, the biggest stop bird stop. you've ever come beak to beak with? You know why I don't want to tell my story? Because I have a story. But you know why I don't want to tell it? Because you're just going to one-up it with some other bird story. And no, no, we I do, won't. And we do have business to Okay, to real quick, to. Tell, us, tell us your story about the beak. Uh, guy did his Eagle Scout project over at Tracy Aviary. Uh-huh. Painting painting stuff uh-huh like and and we had to paint the ostrich shed <laughs> with the ostriches in it <laughs> so did you use like a spray gun or something no 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 no. but there, you, you wonder you're like wow that's a big ostrich and that doesn't really look like a thick window so it was like a just a, a glass window between you and the ostrich and and they're also don't have the nicest reputation well, which I, I can con- confirm. So no, there you I, go. I mean, that is a go- that is a really big bird that I've literally been face to face with. <laughs> I mean, you got your chicken with the smaller. smaller okay, no, beak, all right. And then you got your duck with a bigger beak. And then you got a goose with a big beak. And then you got an ostrich with a giant beak. Get it, please. Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. At this point, no. I mean, it's it's the regular season is is a Pac-12 only, uh, you know, schedule. Uh, you know, I think that, that the the idea that that would be available is probably a, a stretch and, and hard to imagine how if a team, you know, on a Thursday can't play because of what I mentioned earlier is going to be able to find somebody, you know, to play, you know, because the following week that, that team ha- has another Pac-12 game already scheduled. So it's hard to even imagine how it would work. But specifically to your question, our regular season is, is uh, Pac-12 only. You know, we are looking at that last weekend, which is the championship weekend, that Friday night championship. You know, for the rest that aren't in the championship game, we're also making some final, you know, final decisions on what that day needs to really look like. And, um, you know, right now the thought is it's it's five versus five, four versus four. But we want to make sure we do a deep dive on that, make sure that's the smartest thing to do. Would it be better to have a game that was needed to be rescheduled to be put on that day? Um, does it make sense for five to play five? We just want to take a really good look at that before we lock it in. But that's the only day that we might be able to do something. Of course, to your point, DJ, I mean, that's, that's, you know, our championship teams would be the only two that would be considered going to, to, mm-hmm. to the CFP. So it wouldn't really help in that regard. Okay. The, the interview this morning with Mark Harlan was, was filled with really good stuff, but this is something that I have not heard anywhere else than out of the athletic director of the University of Utah's mouth this morning. And that's uh, the idea of that seventh game maybe being used as a tool for flexibility if games, if there's an interruption, which is something that we've talked about a lot, Gordon, that I think it's smart because building in flexibility is useful when trying to pull off something to this magnitude or at this magnitude. So I hadn't heard that. So maybe if there's some interruption, they throw it there in that seventh game, Gordon. And then you know what they could do if, if not everybody has an eruption, you could create seventh games with, with teams uh, as is convenient. 
and still have your top two teams play and still have a seventh game for your league, but it could possibly be used if needed for flexibility and, and rescheduling games. I, I thought that was really interesting, and I had, not, I had not heard that or thought about that yet. Okay, so uh, just for, for us slower folks out there, if two of the teams uh, or a team from each division with the best record get delayed, how does that work? I don't know. It would be interesting to, uh, to think about, right? If it's the undefeated USC team or whatever that gets delayed, how would that work? But at that point, you know, you just say, well, I guess USC is our champ. I don't know. You know, you make Do it, up, you? You make it up as you go along. I, it would be my guess. I don't know. I don't know how that uh, I, I don't know how that would work. How much are the other schools griping? Is there you know, what are the records of the other schools? Probably would matter how much how much they would care. I'm not yeah, sure. For instance, let's say Arizona State has one loss and SC is undefeated, but uh, SC has a difficult game on its schedule that gets delayed somehow, and Arizona State's going, "Hey, wait a minute! If the Trojans had to play that game, then our records might be the same." Yeah, I'm not sure. At that point, I would say, "All right, well, who's uh, a better football team, the North Champ or Arizona State?" And then I'd say, what would give? What game would give the winner the best chance to get into the college football playoff? Well, so it comes down to what's good for the conference. Huh? Yeah, why not? Why not? I don't know. I'm not sure. But I, and he was just talking conceptually anyway. So maybe they don't do any of that, and they just still do the cross division lineup at the end, and they don't. You know, they say, well, the flexibility is not worth it. Who cares? I'm not sure. But I thought it was an interesting concept, and right. I like it that somebody in that conference is trying to think outside the box a little bit, the best way to pull this off. I'm glad those discussions are happening. Yeah. Yeah, well, if, they, if it's one of the favorites in, the, in one of the divisions that gets, gets game bumped, then that would be a bird of a different feather. And I kind of, oh, jeez. And I kind of like the idea of not locking yourself into anything for that seventh game. It's like... We're going to leave it open and see what's best yeah. for us. Kind of this weird hybrid type scheduling. I think uh, that's a that's kind of a fascinating concept to me. Yeah, it could get real complicated. I mean, or I mean, it could be super simple and you just put together the best games possible. Yeah, but yeah, but then you have the puppet master stepping in. What puppet master, Larry Scott? That man is not smart enough to be anybody's puppet master. <laughs> well, then who's going to make the decisions? Uh, what's his name? Merton Hanks. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, boy, you talk about controversy. Uh, that could get that could get real problematic with a fan base real quick. Well, let uh, um, let, uh, uh, let the TV networks pick it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, that would go over well. Hmm. No, it would go over great. Then the it's a somewhat impartial uh, decision yeah, maker. But, there. Okay, wait a second. What if the Utes were involved and the other team was SC? Well, guess who's being left out? Yeah. Well, whatever. Well, that ain't, that whatever's ain't fair. Uh, whatever's best for the conference. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, that's somehow unsatisfying. Let's uh, Gordon. Let's jump out of the zone fund. We'll get to. We'll certainly get to more from Mark Harlan throughout the show. But that that uh, little nugget really stood out to me. Uh, Gordon. So we'll get to more uh, coming up. Stay tuned. But out to the zone phone we go. Joining us now, our friend Rob Ruff from Zions Bank back with us here on the big show. Rob, what is going on? 
Gordon, good to be with you. And I, I think they should just let the two of you decide. I couldn't agree more. There, there are a few people more qualified, I would say. Yeah, but the Amen. problem is, you know what would happen? Jake and I would disagree. We would. That's exactly what would happen. And then, uh, you know, then Austin would have to decide. So do we really want that happening? Maybe we'll, hey, Lloyd. Lloyd, Lloyd could be impartial. We'll hand the ball to Lloyd. He can make go. it happen. There you go. Uh, well, Rob, thanks for jumping on with us. As always, let's, ta- let's talk a little bit about what you guys are doing uh, down there at Zions Bank. Well, a lot of great things happening. Obviously, we're, we're in a really unusual time, but uh, one of the things that's happening right now, it's a great time uh, if you're in the market for a mortgage. Uh, Zions Bank's Zip Mortgage product, the application process, simple and easy. Uh, it's never been easier, frankly, and the, right now with where rates are, it's a, it's a perfect time. I'm glad to hear it because I'll tell you what, I've been through some painful mortgage experiences before. I think I have carpal tunnel from the process. So they've tightened that up a little bit. Yeah, they have. And we have. Yes. And uh, it's well, I think we all have those uh, nightmares from times in the past. But it's, you know, it's a 10 to 15 minute process now, simple and easy to to apply. And uh, rates are great right now. So if you're in the market for a mortgage, Great time to do it. ZionsBank.com slash zip. That's the best place to get started. ZionsBank.com slash zip. All right. Outstanding. I know we're going to cover a bunch of stuff today, Rob, but we're off to a good start. Thanks, buddy. Hey, great to be with you this afternoon. Back at you. That's our friend Rob Bruff from Zions Bank, Executive VP of Marketing, and jumps on the big show with us from time to time. We we like the good folks there at Zions Bank, so thanks to him for jumping on with us. All right, Gordo, we'll get to more coming up next. Stay tuned. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the day today, Eric Clapton, selected by Lloyd Cole and brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. For the latest tour news and artist insight, check them out, livenation.com. Austin will be here a little bit later, but Lloyd is uh, filling in for the moment and wanted to hear a little, uh, a little Clapton. What do you think, Gordon? That's fine with me. I mean, we talked about Eric Clapton earlier this week when we were listing off the greatest guitar players of all time. Uh, in the uh, aftermath of uh, losing Eddie Van Halen. Uh, nothing wrong with Eric Clapton, as far as I'm concerned. And knowing you, as I do, as an old soul that you are, you probably don't mind it either. No, I like Eric Clapton. He's he's not my favorite, but he's far from my least favorite. He's a, and obviously a very talented guitar player. So mm. Okay. Interesting, uh, everybody thinks it was Eric Clapton solo that uh, did Layla, but wasn't that... Uh, Dominoes? Derek and the Dominoes, is that right? Anyway, see, that's the thing. He's he's kind of had different bands. He's been solo. He's kind of been, I don't know, in and out of things. But interesting is, like, biggest hit, what everybody thinks of, is Eric Clapton. It was Derek and the Dominoes. Well, yeah, but he's a driving force there, I think. Oh, yeah, I got you. But, I mean, you know, how much bigger of the band are you if nobody even remembers the band? <laughs> yeah, I guess. But I like Eric Clapton. I always appreciated his uh, great talent on the guitar. 
Uh, all right, Gordon. Hey, let's talk a little NBA, and I wanted to. Uh, we can keep this topic going throughout the day as well, because I think there's a lot of different directions uh, that we can uh, we can go with it. But being the degenerate gambler that you are, uh, <laughs> you came across uh, some odds for the NBA champion next year, and uh, it, some th- it caught your eye. It did catch my eye, and if you say something smart for a minute, I'll find it and I'll call it up, and so we can discuss it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Here it is. All right. What I have in front of me, this is out of Vegas. It says odds to win the 2021 NBA championship. All right. Who do you think's number one? Orlando. <laughs> Who do you really think is number one? You don't think I really believe Orlando? Um, <laughs> uh, I suppose the Lakers, right? Lakers. Number two. Clippers. Yep. Number three, tie for number three, I guess, between two teams. Okay, Milwaukee, obviously. Yep. So the other one, it's it's how high up is Golden State? That's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like how how high up the betting line would Golden State be? I don't it's know the Warriors. They, is it Golden State? Okay, yep. there you go. It is the Warriors. And who do you think is after that? A two-team tie there too. After that, now we're getting. So maybe maybe Miami because they're in the finals right now. Nope, not yet. Nope. Boston? Boston is one of the teams. Oh, who would the other? Denver? Nope, you're not going to guess it. Oh, okay. Well, good, because that would be too high for Denver. Who is it? The Brooklyn Nets. Oh, that's dumb. Boston and Brooklyn. Okay. And then... Brooklyn, who, by the way, doesn't have a head coach, according to Kyrie Irving, that they're all going to kind of do it. Yeah, that's that's going to work. That's going to really work. And the earth is flat. Uh, let's see. Uh, okay, the heater next at fourteen to one. I haven't been given those details. And okay, who do you think is after the the Heat? I know I'm putting you on the spot here, but just give yeah, it a word. right. I'm not crossing off teams here, Gordon. Um, Boston? No, we already had Boston. Oh, gee, see, I can't keep track. Just tell me. It's the Toronto Raptors. Okay, that makes sense. Sixteen to one. The Nuggets are next. 20 to 1. Then the Rockets, 22 to 1. Then the Dallas Mavericks, 25 to 1. Then, our listeners aren't going to like this, and neither are you, the Philadelphia 76ers at 33 to 1. Then who do you think? The Portland Trailblazers, also 33 to 1, I guess it's tied. Then after them, after that, it's a, let's see, a three-way tie between the Pelicans, the Phoenix Suns, and your Utah Jazz. Can you believe that? Let me, let me see if I can, let me see if I can channel your, your grunt language uh, 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 of late. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing. I, what am I conveying there with that? <laughs> that's amazing to me that the Pelicans and the Suns have the same odds for an NBA championship as your Utah Jazz. I mean, look, I'm not into disrespect, but that's disrespectful. Well, that it, is disrespectful. It's okay. So here, 
I have to, you know, preface my opinion on this with this. This is sometimes why looking at odds as like uh, some sort of prediction for what's actually going to happen is dumb. Because there's there's a lot of factors that go into it. Like it's ludicrous to me that Philadelphia has a better chance of winning the t- the NBA title next year than the Utah Jazz. But it's also talking to the pu- not not the sharps, but the dumb public who will <laughs> bet on Philadelphia because they've heard of them. They're on TV more, or on Sports Center more, or whatever. Or they're big Dr. J fans. I don't know. So they're but trying they- to balance the money. Yes, that's exactly what they're trying to do. So I have to preface my opinion with this is sometimes why looking at, at lists like this is is not, uh, you know, it's people don't look at it through the, the right lens. You know what I mean? It, when uh, when a team is favored by 14, it's not some wizard predicting that uh, a team's going to win by 14 points. It's, that's just I not what goes into I thought those guys down there were – I thought those guys were pretty good. Aren't they usually uh... – Pretty good at uh, accurately uh, guessing. That's not even what they're trying to do. They're trying but, to but set they do a line it anyway, right? Uh, well, maybe that's a fluky byproduct, but that by no means <laughs> is what they're trying to do. They're trying to get a line to get as much money on both sides as possible. That's the idea, because then you don't. Uh, then you get your ten percent juice, and you're making money. Well, apparently not enough people are betting on the Jazz because I think the Jazz are better than the Suns, better than the Pelicans, better than the Blazers, better than the Sixers, better than the Mavericks, uh, probably better than the Rockets, and then about even with Denver. And gambling lines tend to be not a predictor forward but uh, represent people's opinions behind, like Houston being that high. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. Houston is a, a, a shell of the team that it was two years ago, and they're going to have a new head coach, and who knows how they're going to use James Harden and Russell Westbrook together, and that is far from proven for workings. But but Houston has James Harden, so everybody likes to bet on Houston. But 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 here's the thing, Gordon. It, it is signaling that, that people out there don't necessarily believe that the moves the Jazz made last year worked. Mm-hmm. That that adding Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich made the Jazz more of a title contender. That that shows me that the public doesn't believe that that accomplished what it was supposed to. Yeah, I suppose that's that's exactly what it means. But so exactly we. But uh, other than the dumb gambling public, we are capable of of doing more critical thinking than that. And we have. We've talked about it a lot of reasons why it wasn't working and why it wasn't as good as it could be. Coming down to the very simple fact that when Boyan Bogdanovich was playing well, Mike Conley wasn't. And when Mike Conley was playing well, Boyan Bogdanovich was not in the bubble. And what do you read into that? You know, Uh, did it not work? Is that is that opinion even accurate? I think it's accurate to a certain extent. I don't think the Jazz achieved um, this past season, as weird as it was, uh, what uh, a lot of folks out there expected or, or thought that they were capable of. But that doesn't mean it couldn't happen next year if they get the everything ironed out, or maybe they need to make a move. But that line tells me that the gambling public, at least, isn't buying what the Jazz did last year. Well, and, and that's played out by the perception the Jazz are as close to the bottom of the league as they are to the top, according to these odds. And I, I find that 
Interesting. You know who has the worst odds? Who's that? The Charlotte Hornets. That's not a surprise. 500 to 1. Hmm. And then the Knicks at 300 to 1. So tell me this, Gordon. It, did it not work? Where Where are you standing on that? Uh, oh, what specifically? The the Mike Conley and Boyan Bogdanovich moves last uh, off season. I, I, uh, I it took longer for Conley to get where I thought he was capable of of being with the Jazz. It just took longer, and uh, Bogdanovich was uh, most of the time. If Bogdanovich had been had been hitting stride at the same time Mike Conley had been hitting stride, then the Jazz would have improved their record by, I think, about three games, three or four games. It just took longer, and so the Jazz were just sort of – remember how hot and cold they were? You know, they'd go through a 10-game winning streak, and then they'd lose five in a row. It was uh, uneven. But I think as time has gone by, a lot of that stuff has been worked out, and I – Remember, I'll never forget when we were talking to uh, Gail Miller about uh, the moves that had been made and what her expectations were. And she said, well, I want to win a championship. That's what. And, and we said this year. And she said, I don't know if it'll be this year, but maybe maybe the next year. So she was wise enough to know that there might be a little bit of hang time there. And uh, I, I expect the Jazz to be I don't know what they're going to do this offseason. We see needs that they have, uh, another perimeter defender, uh, a strong perimeter defender. And if they get Bogdanovich back in full health, I expect them to be noticeably better this next season than they were the last. See, that's that ultimately is the big question. I'm I'm not as convinced as you are, and here's and and here's why, Gordon, and I could very easily easily be wrong about this, but I'm not as convinced as you are because when Bogdanovich was at his best, Conley was not in the lineup. I mean, when the Jazz went on that the, their biggest streak of the season was when Mike Conley uh, wasn't playing. But you saw the improvement in his play w- within the context of the Jazz. In the right? bubble. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. I would agree so with that. do you think that was an aberration? I think his role changed because Bogdanovich wasn't there. Well, don't you think he would be capable of being effective with Bogdanovich on the floor? I don't know. Because it makes his role on the team a little bit different. Because what they desperately needed in the bubble was somebody, another player to score 20 points. That's what they had to have. And Mike Conley, as we talked about on this show quite a bit, was the best candidate for that. Well, that was Bogdanovich most of the year. And so... So what you're saying is it will be hard, difficult, uh, next to impossible for for both of them to be explosive scores I don't know it just makes Mike Conley's role different because he needs to be more of a ball handler distributor whatever cliche you want to use because he's not needed as the team's second scorer anymore and do I think that if Donovan's going to achieve your goal of scoring 30 points that there could be another two 20 point scores on the team I don't think there's enough shots for that I never took it quite as high as 30 you get my point though yeah so, you know, if Donovan's going to continue on his escalation on a scoring front because he's your primary guy and absolutely should be, um, you know, who's number two and what does that do to the game of number three? And the, the, the problem of these two particular players is they're not particularly strong defensively either. They're capable, but they're not your real go-to defenders. 
So how do you mix that in as well? And and then you it trickles down to Joe Ingles because when you start Royce O'Neal, does Joe Ingles go to the bench? You know, how does that work? Because Joe Ingles and Royce O'Neal are your two primary ball handlers, or not ball handlers, excuse me, uh, defenders of athletic wing players, which we know there's a zillion of in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm not as sold as you are on just as uh, Kevin O'Connor used to, to put it, uh, internal improvement. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we did see it click in uh, with with the lineup that we had visualized uh, before the year. So I think I think Conley can be better alongside Bogdanovich. Uh, th- that's just my opinion. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I think both of them can coexist and can thrive, and it may not be manifest in exact numbers as far as measuring their worth, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think Conley did get acclimated, and it'll be all right. But they do need stronger defense. There's there's no doubt about that. That was obvious in the Denver series. I just worry because, you know, basically Conley, what he had to get adjusted to, Gordon, was playing less of a role. And then when he was really, really good in the bubble. And by the way, that wasn't the only time he was good. He was good toward, you know, the, the point leading up to the shutdown. So, you know, I, I certainly could be totally wrong about this. Well, and, and they yeah. do internal improvement. But but I, I worried because I don't believe that we really saw it. And when Bogdanovich is there, you want Conley to take an even lesser role. Yeah, and I don't he, know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, but can't he pick his spots? I mean, there are nights when the Jazz needed a lift. They needed another score. And uh, my with someone like Mike Conley, who has now been through the sort of the adjustment period, it seems as though on nights when he's needed to score, then he, he should be capable of doing that. I think he one of the things that he accomplished as the season wore on and in the bubble when he was there was an ability to, uh, you know, set up his teammates. Uh, I think he's capable of doing both of those things. And and if, if Bogdanovich is going off for 28 points, then, okay, on that night, maybe Conley doesn't have to get his 20. But uh, some nights when Bogdanovich isn't feeling it, then maybe Conley can say, okay, I have a feel for this team. I can see who, who's got the hot hand and who doesn't, and I can sense what my team needs. If the team needs me to go for 25 points, then, then I'm capable of doing that. Maybe. I, I just don't think we've seen it. I'm just telling you why yeah. I'm I'm more skeptical. And yeah, well, but getting back to the point about defense, the Jazz have to find another defender. Uh, it's, it's, Royce O'Neal's not good enough in that role, in my opinion. They need bolstering there, especially against some of the better teams in the West. Well, the Con- got- the Conley Bogdanovich duo isn't doing that. Yeah, that is true. And as you have often pointed out, they are relative to some of their top competition a tad bit undersized oh man I, that's decision number one and maybe we can get into this more uh, more coming up decision number one is can you live with a backcourt defensively that's six foot and six foot one is that going to work you could make the argument that donovan mitchell plays bigger than six one okay but that's what we're leaning on <laughs> 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 uh, but he plays be, like I said it would be really nice if somewhere along the way either through free agency or the draft or so the Jazz could find themselves a 6'4 6'5 uh, effective defender that can play who, both ends as, as, that doesn't as sink the ship off said, 
Yeah, and that, that, that like uh, Dennis Lindsay said, doesn't ruin the spacing at the other end. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you, we're going to be out at the warehouse tomorrow on a football Friday, Mac and Alema from 2 to 4, but we'll be there uh, from 2 to 6 in their brand new Salt Lake location, 1825 South, 300 West. So uh, we love a good football Friday down there at the warehouse, Gordon. We're, we're, there are a few more comfortable shows. Oh, that's for sure. And uh, and those guys are so fun. Now, we have a lot of fun uh, going back and forth with them. The stories that roll forth are not to be missed. No, it's uh, it's always it's always a highlight. Or believed, of the week. or believe. Well, from <laughs> half from, of them from Gordon's side, yeah. but uh, you know, what? Mac and Alema yeah. tell terrifically accurate stories. No, well, I Mac. tell stories about them that are Ooh. accurate. Wow. Uh, all right, let's uh, coming up next. We're going to talk to Cody Taylor. Um, he's the editor of Rookie Wire at USA Today. We've had him on the show a bunch of times. Uh, he's an NBA insider. We'll ask him about the finals, the offseason stuff. But uh, he specializes in the draft, so we might uh, we might mix in a little draft uh, talk here or there with uh, Cody as well. But that's coming up right around the corner. But uh, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, our good friend Rob Bruff. He's the executive VP of marketing uh, for Zions Bank. Uh, what's going on, Rob? Doing good, Jake. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what were the odds on the on the Jazz to win the title, Gordon? What did you say it was two hundred to one? Uh, I think so. Would you, Rob? What do you think? Two hundred to one? Would you take the Jazz? Would you get in the car, head out to Wendover? I'm thinking about it because uh, <laughs> I know their odds are better than that. But <laughs> I thought I think so too. I, I would agree with you. Well, let's talk about uh, you, you know you've been terrific partners with the Utah Jazz for a, for a long, long time. Let's talk about kind of some of the stuff you're doing uh, uh, together. Well, you know, we, we're in, in talks with the Jazz right now about a, a number of things, but one of the things that we, we're really standing with the Jazz on right now is, you know, working to advance social justice and um, doing what we can to maybe use our voice and, and the voice of the Jazz combined to, um, you know, really help lift our community and, and address some of the issues of social injustice that we're, that we're seeing. We recognize we can't solve all the all of the challenges, but we think maybe together we can we can lend our voices together and, and stand tall on this. Yeah, last time I checked, Zions Bank has been a part of this community for a while, uh, and I know that it's something that's <laughs> really important to you. Yeah, we, we've uh, not myself, but we've we've been around for over 100, well, nearly 150 years. Wow! And, and uh, so this this community means a lot to us. You know, our, our success as an organization is directly tied to the success of this community, and. And uh, we're committed to making sure that it continues. Well, Rob, we appreciate you, and we'll catch up with you a little later on in the show. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks. That's our friend Rob Ruff, Executive VP of Marketing for Zions Bank. All right. uh, We'll get to more. We're talking a little NBA basketball coming up next right here on 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.